0: We are going to read uh, 1 Peter 3, 8 through 12 today. Finally, all of you be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing, because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. For whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil, and their lips from deceitful speech. They must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. And his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you. Please be seated. Lord God, the grass withers and the flowers fade. But your word will stand forever. And so Lord... Uh, turn our attention now to your, to your word and to your spirit in this place. Uh, remove any distractions, anything that's, that's crowding our minds right now, Lord. We want to lay it before you so we can hear from you, Holy Spirit, uh, in this time we have. That you prepare our hearts to come to this table. God, uh, we come to this table uh, by your invitation alone. So God, prepare us for, for what you have in store for us this morning and in the life to come. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I think the ushers have already come around. If you need a pencil, you can raise your hand. There's a little outline on the back of your bulletin. And for those of you wondering, hey, there's a Bible study in here too. Should I be doing that? Not right now. Those are for our home groups or small groups or for your own uh, study. And I would just love to put a plug in for Pastor Frank's uh, Compass Point class. Where do we get the Bible? Is that what it's called? Where did we get the Bible, Pastor Frank? You're going to tell us. And it's going to be right after this service, right in the, uh, the uh, hospitality room, which is just over yonder. And Pastor Frank was saying, I, I think we're going to pack it out. Uh, I don't think there's going to be enough room. I think that's a good thing. It's a good thing. So come check out that class and learn about where we got the Word of God. Now, there's a, a story, a very, very old story from Italy, from the time of the Renaissance. It's a story that goes like this. There was once a, a young upcoming artist who was known for his brilliant work with marble and crafting incredible uh, figurines of of angels, little cherubs. I'm sure they were fat and chubby and and lovely, but he wanted to make sure that his was the best. And so he invited the great Michelangelo to come to inspect and give his opinion. So the great master came into the gallery. There was a hush over uh, the room as he came and inspected the the carved angels from every angle. And finally he said, well, it lacks only one thing. Then he walked out the room. Well, the young artist was sort of taken aback, and a little embarrassed to kind of run and, and grab the great master to say, well, what's that one thing? And so he, he sent a friend uh, to Michelangelo's studio to try to find out what was his statue missing? With all the perfect detail, what was it missing? And the great artist says, it lacks only life. The same could be said for a lot of people today. They have a nice house, a growing family, a career, terrific vacations, and a decent bank account. They have everything going for them in this life, and yet something is missing. Or what they're pursuing doesn't seem to, to fulfill that, that lack of more life. There's something missing. Jesus had something to say about that in John's Gospel, chapter 10, verse 10. He tells us what life ought to look like, what, ought, what life ought to be all about. John ten ten, he says, The thief, that is the devil, comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. Maybe your King James says, have it abundantly. He's contrasting what's offered in the world. And we say that today because we're postmodern. We don't want to talk about spiritual things. We don't want to talk about angels and, and demons too. But he's talking about the devil who's very real, who's very real, He's talking about the contrast of what the devil is peddling. Lives that will lead to death and destruction in your life. And the contrast between that and the life that he offers. It's the full life. It's the life that we're meant to live. Through Jesus Christ. Christ is his title. We call him Jesus because that's his personal name to us. We can claim Jesus. We love Jesus this morning. We say yes, amen. And we love him as Christ. That means Messiah that's his title he's the master he's the great artist and he's come that we might have life and have it to the full and you know it's so hard for us to see that because we look around the room and we have people with a lot of life in this life don't we we're not in Indonesia where uh, Christians are a small minority that, that are persecuted there because it's uh, mass, massively uh, Muslim. There's a small minority, and yet the Christians today are praying for their nation. They're, they're digging through the rubbles with their, their Muslim neighbors and friends, and they're, they're being the church there. And we're not in Haiti, years after the earthquake, and now, where's um, Mark, Mark? He's saying there's another earthquake. Are you kidding me? Another earthquake? And yet the life that Jesus offers truly is the beautiful life. I feel like I need to convince you of that. And then I'm reminded, no, there's no convincing. Only his spirit can convince you. Only God can convince you of the path that he has set for you. Now, sometimes we get the wrong idea uh, about God's blessing. We think God's stingy. Nothing could be further from the truth. The fact is God wants to bless you even more than you can imagine blessing. Like, stop for just a moment. Close your eyes. Think about the greatest blessing you could ask for from God right now. You got it? You got that picture? You got that price tag? He wants to bless you more than that. Something richer, something priceless beyond what you could buy. More life, the abundant life, it's not necessarily a longer life, is it? (laughs) Is it? Life is tenuous, it's fragile. It's certainly not a life that's free from trouble. It's certainly not a life that's free from stumbling and making big boo-boos, right? But it's a blessed life. And it's a life like no other. And, and I'm convinced, and, and many of my friends here are convinced that this is the life that we were designed to live. And that, that's why we're here. That's why this church exists. To experience it and to share it with others. So we're in a series now. We're wrapping up about our, uh, our mission. What, what are we about as a church? The, the, the core values of, of Maple Valley Church, they're on, their website, on our website. Uh, we have many, many core values, but the core of the core that we put on the website are biblical integrity. We want to stick to uh, the master's plan, right? Let's stick to the owner's manual, biblical integrity, intentional community, and outward focus. And out of that comes why we exist, our, our purpose statement. Here it is. It's on the screen. There you go. Because of God's deep love for us, Maple Valley Church exists to restore people into what? Full life through Jesus Christ. Our our, our vision, where where we think the Lord's leading us next, and and that's still coming into focus. It's a very exciting future that God has for us, but it's coming to to focus. But the vision of what we do know for now, because God doesn't say his word is, is a spotlight, it's a it's a lamp to our feet. What we can see now is this. Let's say it together. It's the, it's the vision statement. Here we go. Let's read it together. Live missional lives that communicate the transformative and unconditional love of God through authentic... The, what you just said. Because I got a little tongue-tied. Authentic relationships. Like real, really involved in each other's lives. Acts of compassion really making a difference. That's what it means to be missional. When we walk out of this church, we are in the mission field that God sent us to. Yes, we have missionaries in South America and Africa and Asia, but but this is our mission field. That's the vision that we have. And not uh, last but not least is is the mission statement. This is what connects our our core purpose, what we start with, and where we see God uh, leading us, the vision, this is the mission. How do we do this? What does it look like? Here it goes. Let's read it together to help All people know God more deeply, love others more completely, and live life more fully. It's on our t-shirts, it's on our sweatshirts, and and trust me, we're not going to have sales like this all the time. This is just sort of a kind of a boost, kind of a kickoff, and then they're they're going to go away, then you can buy apples, and cherries too. We have like a whole produce stand going here, but but that's just a way of, of us... Uh, kind of boosting our excitement about what God's doing around here. And so we sort of boiled it down to more God, more love, and the theme this morning, more life. So let's talk about more life. Let's talk about the, the abundant life. Let's talk about the full life. We could look at many different passages of Scripture. We could look at Acts 2 of, of what it looked like in the early church. And so many of us that have been walking with Jesus while well, well, I get back to what that was like in Acts 2. But, but the Lord drew, drew me to Peter's letter to the church 1 Peter 3. And so, if you have your Bible open, you can turn back to this passage and you can look at the outline on the back. It's a very simple, straightforward outline. This is a letter that he's writing to Christians that are suffering for their faith. They are being persecuted for being Christian. I'm not talking about just a, a dirty look, I'm talking about they are losing their livelihoods, families are being ripped apart. He calls them the elect exiles that are spread out, and he wants to write this letter to them about the living hope, the living hope that will get them through. He encourages his readers. This is chapter 2, verse 12. He says, quote, Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see good deeds and glorify God. That's a pretty good vision statement right there for a church. They see your good deeds and glorify God. And so in today's passage, uh, late into the letter, he's he's talked about submitting ourselves to authority, submitting ourselves to one another. And now he gives seven traits or seven virtues or seven characteristics of what a Christian community ought to look like. If we're living more life, the abundant life, these characteristics should be a part of it. And then he speaks about how we're supposed to respond to, to evil, like real evil in, in the world. And then he talks about our future blessings. So let's look at verse eight again. How do we live in Christian community? I'm just gonna run it right down the list and, and touch on them briefly. I'll just quote it again. Finally, all of you, he says, be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. He says these attributes are the essentials. These are the, the non negotiables of what it means to be in Christian community. I asked a dear friend of mine uh, just yesterday, his family's going to be visiting uh, tomorrow to surprise us. Do you ever have someone who wants to surprise you, but they're not sure if you're going to be there? So he called ahead. So it's not a surprise, but now I have to pretend it's a surprise. Oh, we're filming this version, right? Okay, sorry, Steve. I, yeah, I gave away your secret. I was supposed to say that. I knew they were coming, but. I'll feign excitement when they come, like, oh, you're here. I said, Steve, this is our, our, my former uh, worship director at my last church, Steve Kim. He's now in Redding, California. I said, Steve, what, what is it, what is it? if you boil it down, what is Christian community all about? He says, learning to die together in order to receive life together. That's pretty good, pretty wise. To live life to the full, more life, number one, we're called to be like-minded, to be like-minded. Not same-minded, mind you, right? We're not, to, we're not gonna agree on everything. It's not sameness, but it's, it's oneness. We're to agree on the essentials of the gospel. We're to, to live in harmony, even in the diversity that we have here. I'm looking around, There's, this is a diverse community. Maybe not as much as I experienced back in, uh, on the East Coast in some respects, but this is a diverse community People with different life experiences, different outlooks, different uh, points in their in your career, education. We've got people with their GED and PhDs. We've got the whole range. He says here, if you want to live differently than the world, be like-minded. Regardless of your differences, be united. Romans 15.5 says this, may God who gives patience and encouragement help you, he's speaking to the church, help you live in complete harmony with each other as is fitting for the followers of Christ Jesus, living in harmony with one another. So be like-minded. Number two, be sympathetic. What's that mean? What's it mean to be sympathetic? You feel for each other. We feel for each other. Romans twelve fifteen puts it this way: We rejoice with those who rejoice, and we mourn with those who mourn. This last week, leaders from all of the churches in the valley gathered together at New Community Church. We've all been rocked by the tragedy of of students who've taken their lives by suicide, and we want, we want a, a clear response. How are we going to respond if, if this happens again, when it happens again? How can we as a church of Jesus Christ with a capital C come together? Well, one of the things that we realized is we had to be humble that, that we need some extra training to know how to speak into the circumstances. And I called the high school uh, the, the Monday morning after this news broke, and, and, and I I offered to come and, and offer some emergency counseling, and they said, "No, we've, we've got it. We've got it." There's a, there's a suspicion between the church and the school, vice versa. And we want to be sympathetic to one another, and we want to be prepared to, to go the distance to help in Christian community. Third he says, "Be loving. Be loving." Express love to one another like family. Speak to one another like brothers and sisters. Do you, do you refer to one another as a brother or sister in Christ? Do, you, do we talk that way? Do we, is that kind of unfamiliar language to say, hey, brother, how's it going? Hey, sister, do we do that? I'm looking and they're not... Right, how, let's check our necks. How are we doing? Yes? No? No? <laughs> you know, we're responsible for one another. You know, right here on this stage... We've, we just recently have baptized a, a number of individuals, uh, adults, who say, I want to be part of this family. We are responsible for these people who are baptized here. We're responsible for the children that are dedicated or baptized in this church. We're part of the same family. Francis Chan told a story just recently. He was at Facebook talking to, to a, a big crowd. You ma- imagine Facebook, how many Christians are working at Facebook Pray for those brothers and sisters that are at Facebook making a difference who pray. And he talked about speaking with a member of his his new community in in San Francisco who had once been in a gang. He said, when I got baptized in the church, I thought it would be like joining a new gang. Like when you join a gang, you get jumped into a gang, you get beat up or whatever uh, rituals happen. But once you do that, you are blood. They will literally... Die for you, or kill for you, or worse. And he wasn't asking for that, but he said, you know, now he said, Pastor, I go to church and people come and then they just go and they they come once a week and then they go again. He said, I felt more like I was in a family in the gang life than I am in the Christian church. There's something wrong there. We're to be loving. Fourth, be what? Let me hear it. All right, compassionate. All right. Let's wake up, church. Notice what Peter's doing here. He's, he's drawing these virtues from the life and ministry of Jesus. Jesus was the most compassionate human being, fully God, fully man, who ever walked the earth. Matthew 9:36, it says that when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. He says, We should emulate. That very virtue that we saw in Jesus' own life, that, that Peter witnessed the compassion of Jesus, he says, that should be operative in our life as a church. And the fifth virtue in this verse 8, uh, and I think perhaps the most important, be humble. Be humble. Christian humi- humility means placing our full dependence upon God. I believe humility is the highest virtue and it's the root of all the virtues why because what's the opposite pride and what's pride it's the root of all sin so if the root of all sin is pride and that's the way the devil goes be be proud have your way your opinion matters your truth matters most which we hear all the time now and then there's another way the way of humility the way downward and that's what he's calling us to that if we're to be a healthy Christian community, we're to be humble. We're, we're to be quick to say, but by the grace of God, go I. That nobody is better than anybody else here in this church. That we're all in this together. That we're depending on the Lord together. So, so what do we want to see more and more around here as a church? Well, I, I want to see, and I am seeing, these very Virtue. So when a, a guest comes in, they're checking out our church for the first time, and maybe there are some people visiting our church for the first time. What do we want them to see? We want them to see these virtues lived out. Like, like a family that, that has common values, a, a common outlook on life. Even though we have differences of opinions, and like every family, we, ah, oh, no no, we lose a little yelling at times, but, but we hug it out at the end. We're like-minded. We're sympathetic toward each other. We look out for the family. Before we, we go out, and we will go out to serve the community, we take care of our own. There's a tendered-heartedness here. There's a humble spirit. It starts with the leadership of everyone else. Folks, that's unusual. And that's special. And that's who we are today, and that's who we want to continue to be more and more. If we continue to live this way if each of us here owns our obligation to live this life before the Lord and before one another, people will be curious. All the people that are moving to this area, they're going to be curious about what's happening in our church and all the churches. We want all the churches to grow in number and in depth. We'll say there's something different going on there. This is how we live in community, right? This is how how we're we're to live in community. But what about attacks from outside? Specifically, Peter's talking about uh, points of attack, of suffering, persecution, and and I don't think any of us here are persecuted nearly to the point of what Peter's addressing, but there is certainly hostility to our way of life, is there not? Look with me at verse 9. How do we respond? It says, do not repay evil with evil or insult with evil. Insult. Verse 9 deals with our relationships outside the Christian community. How do we respond to evil? Be a blessing. Be a blessing. There's there's so much rancor and anger. What would it look like for us as a church to, to be a blessing? I went to my mom's 80th birthday party last week. Mom, I'm going to share a little bit. Maybe I had, this is off script, so if you're watching. Uh, <laughs> as far to the left as you can possibly imagine in politics or worldview or, or outlook. And so she has her sons there a surgeon, yes, a, a, a chief of staff, yes, and an evangelical pastor. What? <laughs> I was like paraded out, like, oh, it's. It's the bearded lady. Like, there's some weirdos coming out. Her son's an evangelical. Let's see what he has to say. The conversations were just like, do you um, put your pants on and shoes the the way we, the rest? I mean, it was like that kind of, like, how do you live life? Because they have this picture of what an evangelical is. I just said, Lord, just may I be a, a vessel of blessing? Can I bless my mom and her friends and loved them and loved all these different kinds of families and different kinds of people on her street that used to be my street. It was, it was, it was as if the Lord said, I'm gonna fill you up each day and, and you're gonna get, get used up but I'll just keep filling you up. That's what was happening. I'm gonna fill you up and use you, Pete, to be a blessing. That's the empowerment that he has for each and every one of you if you've given your life to Jesus Christ to be a blessing. How do we inherit the blessing? 9b says, repay evil with blessing because to this you are called so that you may inherit a blessing. When we, when we bless others, we receive a blessing from God. So we're blessed to be a blessing and then we bless and receive the blessing. Okay, I have to, I'll have to workshop that one. We talked about this last week. An, an inheritance by its very nature, an inheritance is not earned. We're not earning blessings from God. It's a gift from God. Yet our inheritance of eternal life and new life now is a gift that keeps on giving through us. That as God's adopted sons and daughters, were to bless those who attack us. And then we experience more life. I'm experiencing it by, by sharing that with you. I pray that, that sharing that little story is not false humility, just... I want to give God the glory of what was happening there and conversations that might come out of that. That when we, when we bless our, our ungodly employer, can I get an amen? <laughs> I love it freaky, like, Freak you out a little bit. When we bless our unjust teacher, when we have all the students here, they will all say, as a chorus, amen. When you bless a difficult spouse, right, when you bless that that friend on Facebook who's just pouring out just hate, and you just I just want to offline, talk to you, bless you, understand where you're coming from. When we bless whoever is in authority, that's the seventh virtue. What is it? Be righteous. or to be righteous. Peter includes here, to kind of back up what he's saying, a quote from Psalm 34, uh, verses 12 to 16. He just just goes there, and it's incredible because it prefigures Christ, it points to Christ, but that's for for another sermon. He, He quotes these words, and I'll just read it to us. We've got time. Whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. Speak the truth with capital T. Be honest. They must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and, and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. The scene in David's life is when, when he's already been tapped to be the new king, but he's, he's not the king yet and he's under tremendous pressure. The one who, who fills that role, King Saul, is after him. He wants to destroy him. And so he's hiding out from King Saul. Even though he had opportunities to take Saul out, he doesn't. What does he do? In this scary situation, David humbles himself before God. And he trusts God's timing. And he trusts God's sovereign will. And he vows to to watch what he says and, and to walk the path of righteousness because he knows if I do this, I will receive the blessing. I will give glory to God. That's the path of righteousness. He submits to the Lord. Suffering for what's right brings a believer in Jesus into communion with our suffering Savior. Suffering for doing what's right, what's countercultural, brings us in communion. It draws us closer to our Savior the one who was humble, the one who waited on the Lord. It's his righteousness, his perfect life that's been imputed. It means it's been passed on to you and to me by faith, which is a gift in and of itself. That he walked that path for us to Calvary so that his perfect righteousness could be yours. See our children coming in for communion what will be the lasting legacy we leave to them? What are they hearing from us, how we talk about the world in which we live, the things we pursue, the things we invest our time and talents and treasure in? Friends, before we come to the table, let's confess the ways in which we are not living all these virtues. And it will start with me. Let's ask the Spirit to move here that we may be that transforming community that we seek to be. Let's set our minds on the spirit of life and peace, Romans 8.6, that we may live the full life together in community, that we may know how to respond to evil, and friends, that we may invest together and experience the blessing God has in his favor.